Welcome back to a bonus episode of The Rundown. We're recording here on a Thursday afternoon. I've got a couple special guests with me to talk about all things Moogfest from this past weekend. Uh, my first guest is Nick Wallhauser, a.k.a. Gappa Mighty, one of the organizers of Roundhouse who had an exclusive stage at Parts and Labor at MotorCo for Moogfest weekend, had about what, 20 artists or so play that stage, uh, one of my favorite things from the festival. So he is here with us, and one of those artists that played at the Roundhouse stage, Tom Rao, a.k.a. Hi-Fi Low Rao, uh, is in the building as well. So, uh, gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for being on. Let's get right into it. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, that's right. You were here for yeah. the, I guess, the pre-Moogfest show that we did with David, uh, a.k.a. Hubble, who is on to bigger and better things, uh, but we talked a little bit about Moogfest and uh, and his Sunday show at Surf Club that kind of capped off the weekend. So, yes, welcome back. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, thank you. Uh, what do you guys think about the festival overall? What are your general thoughts about? For me, I think it's always one of the weekends, if not the weekend in Durham, I probably looked forward to the most throughout the year just because it's like such an sound Well, you're a gearhead. I mean, this is kind of, yeah. I feel like this festival for both of you guys, this is tailor-made for the type of things that you guys are into, whether it's the gear, the music, the conversations around tech and... Um, so I, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Yeah, I mean, but even beyond the gear, like to me, Moogfest has always just been like a sound festival. It's mm-hmm. like, and part of that's music, but part of it's just like, how out there can we get with sound? Or maybe not out there, maybe it's like some sound that you hear outside and, and turning that into music or turning that into something that people can like reflect on. Yeah, yeah, we, um, I was talking with Joe, student who was uh, one of the, people that runs Carolina theater, you know, they had a ton of shows there this past weekend. And one of the things that he said is if people come into Moogfest looking for an experience like Bonnaroo or Coachella, they will be, uh, mistaken. You know, this is not a, like, I mean, I guess you could take a bunch of drugs, but this isn't like going out in the middle of a field to take a bunch of drugs and listen to, um, you know, any like top 40 pop band for three days in a row. This is a, more of a, like TED talk slash music festival slash, you know, workshops. Like, you know, they have the modular marketplace. There's all these different things happening in the festival. And it almost feels like, um, I don't know. It's like summer camp for, for music heads. To be clear though, that you can definitely still take a lot of drugs. Yeah. yeah. I saw so many people on so many drugs, (laughs) Um, but you don't have to, which is like, well, not that you have to, but like, but it's kind of Bonnaroo is a party. It's it's, you go to party and listen to music and Moogfest. You go and maybe you go to party, but you go to like experiment. You're you're going to learn some things. Yeah. You're not just going to um, kind of blow steam or whatever. Yeah. I think that's super accurate. I mean, it's like, it really takes your mind and pushes it. The boundaries, and I think if you uh, if you love music and you're open minded, like you're definitely gonna have a great time. And um, I think that this year, a little less than the past, they did cater to like more straightforward um, acts. You had like Odessa and um, well, not that they're straightforward, but but no, you know but I mean? you did. Some I mean, they definitely scaled back at least in the headliners on the more universally received kind of. Um, uh, you know, your your Mike Snows, to your point, your yeah. Odessa's, these bands that are like really well known that are going to draw a big crowd, but maybe don't quite fit the 
mission statement of what Mokefest is trying to achieve yeah. compared to some of the folks they had, like John Hopkins that they had this year. Well, right. I kind of feel like Mokefest has become less, like back when it was in Asheville, I feel like it was a, a ton of those bands, like awesome, not because I mean, I like all those bands, like, but it was like awesome indie kind of electronic-ish. Little Dragon. Bands, Little Dragon, right. right. Um, Bonobos, like stuff like that. Right. And now I feel like it's become more of like a, almost like a futurist festival, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. I mean, I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. And there are other themes uh, within this idea of music and tech that they're highlighting as well, like um, you know LGBTQ rights and um, or just like kind of civil justice in general, and kind of how that all plays out in our future um, with tech, with music, with um, society in general. You know, Chelsea Manning was one of the headlining Rothblatt a couple of years right, ago, right? Um, that are ambassadors for those conversations are really pushing that agenda um and so it was um it, it's it's cool to to feel like the money you're spending on a ticket is not just to see good music but also you're getting a lot back uh, outside of the music in regards to um engaging conversations if you are big into uh Moog synthesizers and all the equipment they have the modular marketplace which i you know some people spend their entire weekend just there tweaking and, and messing with all the um all the equipment so um yeah it's a great thing to have in durham uh, especially the way that durham's trying to position itself in the sort of tech startup space um do you guys have a favorite show from the weekend uh let's see i i think watching uh suzanne chiani live score the uh the film on screen was something very special uh and different but um so that's the top one for me. Is that um, number one? I don't know if I have a number one. Okay. I think my number one might have been something I missed because there's just so much to see. And uh, knowing that, um, knowing that, I can't call a number one. Interesting. You know? um, but other than that, I really enjoyed Wajid, as I had said in the uh, going into the yeah, festival. Yeah, you, you kind of knew that that was going to be something of, on your radar. Definitely. And he, he tore it apart and... Um, that was a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I didn't have any kind of preconceived notions of what was going to be number one for me. I knew a little bit about John Hopkins music actually from David, one of the surf club nights that he did last year, he and made a vocal playing and they played a John Hopkins song. And I remember catching my ear and running up to them and be like, Oh, who was that? Um, and so I listened to one of his albums, but his show this past weekend at Moakfest it was not a huge departure from that, but it was definitely more uh, aggressive than the music that I was used to hearing from him on, on Spotify and whatever. Um, so I know Tommy and I were both in the, in the building at Carolina theater for that show. And that far and away was my favorite thing from the weekend. The John Hopkins set. Awesome. Um, it just, yeah. Yeah. It was up there for me also. I think the visuals for that show that they had were, like for me almost made it or what made it up there for me. Yeah. Um, it was an experience for sure. It's the, the visuals were spellbounding. I, I just couldn't look away and it was, it was really loud, but it wasn't, it, it didn't feel like, um, yeah, it almost, you, you just felt like the music was surrounding you. It wasn't like it was like piercing your ears in the way that a lot of, really loud music can just be aggressive and like not fun to be around. And this was very much just 
creating the environment that the music was living in and the visuals and it just felt like you were watching a movie almost um and yeah i i was physically exhausted after that show i remember having thinking about going to another show after that and just like oh, i think i might just go home <laughs> like to what nick said like i was so like i i think my favorite thing i think i saw was probably caitlin aurelia smith set um and who is that give, she give is a little a, bit of background who that she is she was a like a trained folk musician who had randomly been introduced to a synthesizer bucola synthesizer through her neighbor and then became like obsessed with like she was like screw that Mm. i'm gonna learn how to do synthesizer music and she does all this modular synth stuff but she's still there's still like an element of like her celtic kind of vocals in the back but it's all like layered through like probably i don't know it sounds like seven or eight part harmonies through like vocoder sounding stuff on top of these massive massive walls of of modular synth that's kind of harmonized um it's amazing but i think i totally agree with what nick said that my guess is my number one thing i wasn't at because i would just like be looking through my instagram feed the next morning and be like damn i missed that like oh that looks rad and like (laughs) oh man that person said that was the greatest thing ever and it looks like it was awesome yeah so i'm sure there was something i'd never heard of that would have like sent my life in another direction that's always (laughs) the struggle with planning for a festival is you inevitably there are things that either butt up right against each other or completely overlap and so you're having to make these tough calls on what you're going to spend each day doing well and planning for a festival where you don't know 75 to 85 percent of the acts or something right yeah Um, you're just taking chances and that's kind of the beauty at least for me of moog fest and i'm sure for a lot of other people that go uh is just taking that chance just like hey this sounds interesting or like a friend of mine told me this might be cool i'm just gonna go and see what it's like and it's more than likely going to be something that you've never experienced before because of the nature of the musicians that are are performing so um i mean that's why i leaned so heavily on nick and david's suggestions before the festival started because like i i knew i knew the hip-hop acts you know i knew krs1 i knew j-rock i knew the roundhouse crew obviously but other than that, I wasn't too familiar with most of the other music, so I was just like, "All right, let's let's just uh, let's just bounce around here." I think that there was like you brought up the Roundhouse stage. Um, there was like a it was cool because it was during the day, which mm-hmm. I would normally not say is like a cool thing because it sucks to play music during the day. I always feel like, yeah. but there was something about there was like a sense of giddiness in the crowd there, and it was partly because it was the day and everyone was just kind of partying outside and and everyone you could just see. Cause you usually can't see anyone when you're playing music, right? But you could just like look, uh-huh. and just when you were there, everyone was so fucking happy, right? That it was just kind of awesome. Like when you weren't playing, just like talking to people, and everyone was just jacked, yeah. Which is something you don't, I don't know, normally experience because it's during the day, and it's yeah, just, I don't know. And the, and the roundhouse stage, so it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right. from three to seven, and then you guys did a, a nightcap from midnight to. One one thirty or so, yeah. um, and that was free the whole weekend. So even folks that didn't have a Moogfest band could come to Parts and Labor to come to Motorco and just enjoy the like I said twenty or so artists that played over the weekend. And it, it was of for folks that did get to go to Moogfest, it was like this primer that really got your day started in the right direction. I I spent uh, quite a bit of time at the Roundhouse stage partly because I knew a lot of artists there, but also just because um, it it really was energizing to do that and then 
get right into the evenings, um, the evening shows and everything. So uh, how did that, how did that come about? Uh, I think in the beginning it, uh, I I believe we pitched the idea a little bit and um, more than exposure, we just wanted to make sure artists in the area had a place to play. Mm -hmm. And um, I think as time went on, uh, time went on, a little too quickly sure and uh we all got kind of lost and that goes on every end but um by the end it was like oh man like we really need to get some local artists you know uh the spotlight on them and uh that's essentially what ha- how it happened yeah um, i mean that was one of my again one of my favorite things from the weekend was just hanging out i mean you guys it was what five or so artists per day it was actually of- back to back really (laughs) wow well including two djs and then uh what would that be six beat makers four to seven right so six that's six because it was half an hour it was three to seven was it three to so yeah oh you're right because it was one for an hour so from four oh you're right so it was eight so eight artists a day um and that was awesome you know Uh, (laughs) yeah and it was pretty fun doing it early um, unfortunately, like my day began at like 11 a.m. Right. I was at Motorco or Parts and Labor until 8 or 8.30. Uh, very tired, <laughs> but, yeah, um, sure. but very awesome. And um, it allowed you know us to check, do our thing there, and then go see all the other stuff. Um, I mean, I think that's that just exciting. a great thing for you know anybody at Motorco or Parts and Labor that's listening continuing to do stuff like that is fully endorsed by this show. So, um, you know, outside of Moakfest, if it, just that space, I think is great for building that type of community, given that they have the outdoor space, people, you know, you're eating, drinking, you've got the music. We were talking even earlier off mic about, um, at stuff at Arcana as well, just kind of create using the, the beat making talent here to just have more, uh, venues where this, atmosphere is being created by the the beat makers that we have whether it's parts and labor or you know other outdoor spaces as well something like five points in downtown durham or um the city plaza right there where all the hotels and everything are um yeah i just i would love to see that more and it seems like i mean everybody that played was amazing i, I had a, an incredible time there were a couple people uh on my list like uh foot rocket that i had never seen live well the only time i'd seen live was at the two-year anniversary party i was like i gotta make sure that i'm here to see that um so yeah for the for the local community i thought that that was just a really great look yeah i think so the stage was really nice so Mm -hmm. big shout to uh mystic alley um for putting that on for us uh and And running the stage the 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 basically like metal banner you guys had in front of the table was from a bus I don't know if I can say that. Okay. I don't know the legality of okay. everything, right. but um, you're probably in the right direction. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, sure. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Um, I think it was from Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
was there something that uh, outside of being your favorite show was there something that really caught your eye about the festival that maybe wasn't related to music like for me the I went to the hip-hop uh, activism talk at American Underground and it was an early talk it was like 11 in the morning um, it's not super early but it was one of the earlier programming and uh, they had a bunch of different people so the program is run by this group at UNC called Next Level and they do a lot of uh, hip-hop internationally so they travel and they connect with hip-hop communities there and that's the group Charlotte traveled to Croatia with okay I'm pretty sure actually. that sounds I awesome I just put that together yeah so um, and Salim is connected to that group right. as well uh, Kane Smigo who's a poet and rapper here in the Triangle area as well was was on site and does work with them um, so it's it seems like an amazing program and, and they had uh, two female rappers one from uh, Cambodia and one from Myanmar they had a Moroccan beatboxer, and they had this uh, dancer whose country of origin I'm forgetting now, but um, it was just such an amazing thing because they all spoke in their native language, basically, um, and then they had a translator on site with them, and so and they did a performance afterwards, the same thing, all in their native language, and this beatboxer was just, it blew my mind. Like, I almost... <laughs> Fest um, curates during their weekend that involve like voice modulation and synthesizing and tech and just gears and machinery and all this stuff. Arguably, the coolest thing that I saw all weekend was just a guy using his voice, just a guy doing beatboxing and make, recreating all these sounds that people try to engineer with machinery just with his voice. And I thought that was such a interesting juxtaposition for the festival to have uh, this kind of performance where, you know, for all the talk about our future being mechanical, this very organic performance, um, you know, took place and was still as mind blowing as anything else I saw over the weekend. So um, yeah, really cool. Definitely want to continue following next level and kind of what they're doing um, with their work. But, and then I, I saw the Chelsea Manning talk for a few minutes as well. That was pretty interesting. I don't know if either of you guys got to see that. Mm -mm. I stayed busy during the day, unfortunately, right. and missed all the awesome workshops. Yeah. And like, that's another huge thing about Moogfest is all the chances to go to these. And 
really learned some interesting stuff and listened to, you know, really brilliant people. Um, so yeah, I missed all that. Yeah, <laughs> but, fair enough. But, uh, did you, you know, get goals, over to the, uh, next year. the American tobacco campus for, uh, Pete rock and Alicia Heed no. and I guess J rock played as well there. And I heard that uh, I don't, we didn't stay, Tommy and I didn't stay at a uh, Karis one long enough, but I heard that they showed up at that show as well. At least Pete rock and maybe one of the other DJs, uh, came on stage for that. That was an interesting show. The KRS one show. I don't, uh, I don't know if you were there, Nick, but like I said, Tommy and I stayed there for a couple minutes and, um, it's always interesting trying to get like a 50 plus rapper to come do, <laughs> you know, come try and like bring, I, I don't even know what the end goal is. Art of cool had Rakim one year, uh, Mokefest has had, you know, Jizza and Talib Kweli. I know Talib Kweli, he's not quite 50, but um, just these older rappers that are from a totally different era. And, and uh, I just, I wonder if there's a gap between the things that they want to talk about and preach and well, the audience they have. And I could, this might be like really reaching, but I had, my theory is that, and again, probably reaching, but that, Moogfest being this kind of futurist festival that they have p part of that, like at least part of what I think all futurism is about is like what human beings are going to become. And part of that is living longer and lit or living, you know, whatever that means. Like, so your prime is in your sixties or seventies and maybe people are 150 years old. Mm. And some, one thing KRS was talking about a lot was like, successfully or not successfully was being timeless and like what it meant to be timeless, like in your mind, which was like always learning and expanding and all of that lines up, I think with what Moogfest is really trying to preach is that like humans or should be evolving and not just dying mm -hmm. and getting old and becoming irrelevant. And I, I, so I feel like that, like that's what, like why they're bringing in these people. Right. Um, also I think from a marketing standpoint, it's like, Oh, these old cats are cheap, not super cheap, but they'll bring in a bunch of heads that like haven't seen KRS one or like, right. Oh yeah, I'll go see Talib Kweli. Um, which, it, and they're like, I mean, with a guy like Talib Kweli or maybe even KRS one, they're bridging a little bit, depending on your taste in music, they're bridging this generation between the, um, the folks that like listen to their music when it was fresh and came out, the, newer hip hop listeners who are fans of throwback music like KRS one. Um, and then, you know, there's the kind of that whole spectrum in between. So I think, yeah, totally. So, so it's, you know, versus if you were to get, um, you know, I don't, I don't know who would be necessarily appropriate in the hip hop scene now, but you know, if you were to get like a Vince Staples age artist, he may not get that older crowd, you know, sure. that older crowds, maybe not rocking with, been staples as much right. versus if you get somebody like Jizza or Talib Kweli, they're kind of right there in the middle between, you know, the 32 the, and up and yeah. the, the kind of newer generation. The weird thing about the KRS one thing, which I, I kind of, I actually kind of liked was that I'd rather see KRS one just freestyle for half an hour than see Talib Kweli like rap his hits. Do, do the hits. Like yeah, it's right. like, I've seen Talib Kweli rap his hits. Like at least with KRS one, he's, doing something it was interesting it's new yeah and like he it was good i mean it was it was wild uh, yeah i got goosebumps during one point but then i was also like yo see i want to hear more beats 
Right. And here I'm just crushing beats. He so did I freestyle. Like, I wanted to hear like a mixture for a while. Right. But I like did like that he was like, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm here at Moogfest, I'm gonna like preach on some future shit for half an hour or whatever. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, no and they definitely um kind of scaled back on it seemed like they scaled back on the hip hop programming this go round. Uh granted they did have the the stage at ATC with Pete Rock and Ali Shaheed and, and J Rock and um and in KRS one as well. But I mean I remember year one, uh I believe it was year one, they had their their the lineup of, of hip hop artists was um like Wells and King Mez and Tune and Skepta and a few other folks. And I know. Skepta, did Skepta he come? didn't make it. He, he did didn't. Not no, this is so one of my biggest gripes <laughs> with, uh, with with Moogfest. <laughs> uh, although I don't think it's Moogfest's fault. I, I, I know he was having... Um, there's probably not a bigger Skepta fan in the triangle than you. I would bet a lot of money <laughs> on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's ever an opportunity for that to happen again. Moogfest, if you're listening, don't give up. Um, but, yeah, so it just seemed like they, they did a little less... Um, Hip hop programming, at least, kind of across the the board. Granted, you know, Pete Rock, Ali Shaheed, KRS One are all kind of from mm-hmm. the same generation of hip hop. Whereas, um, you know, to have like Wells and King Mez, uh, who are kind of newer generation artists, and maybe again, maybe that's just not in the um, in the scope of what Mokefest is trying to do, and so they went away from it. Which is, I mean, I have no gripes with that, and. With all the festivals now that are happening in the Triangle, especially later on in the year with Hopscotch and Dreamville Fest and Art of Cool and Beats and Bars, maybe they're just like, this is not our space and we're just going to punt to the festivals where this makes more sense. Yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't see it as a problem it'll for be, Moogfest to not have that It'll kind be of really interesting to see what happens next year with Moogfest. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get into show. that. Is kind of what do you guys think is the... Um, where would you like to see it go? Where do you think it's going to go? You know, next year they're promoting it as the 15th year of Moogfest or 15th anniversary of Moogfest since its first festival. Um, you know, we're maybe a little bit more plugged into the inner workings of, um, you know, of the, the organizing body of, of Moogfest and kind of the ups and downs that they went through trying to get this festival locked in. They did change ownership, but... Uh, it seems like they're going to have maybe a little bit more financial stability uh, to scale back up, potentially to have more of those artists like Odessa and Grimes and and Mike Snow like years past. Um, but that also you know may not be the direction they want to go in. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to to hear what you guys think about what the festival either can do to improve or continue to um, build on things that you like about it already. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to see them do more programming throughout the year. Mm. Um, I think, and that is something they did. It seemed like the in first the past, in the, the first, first year, couple years yeah, they had because um, you guys worked with there. them. You know, they did the thing at uh, the shed. In, this, they did stuff at the shed. They did. Uh, oh man, yeah, I forgot about that event because that had all kinds. That was what like a twelve. That was like a twelve artist. That's what that was basically a round, like a little roundhouse, and yeah. Nick. And that was and through Sanborn you, really. closed it. Yeah, no, so. Ren- Runaway was definitely involved in that. And yeah. but yeah, you're right. Nick Sanborn played, and I feel there was part some of other the DJs building. Too. They did the synth the building workshop. Oh, I DJed. Yeah, I DJ. <laughs> yeah, they had us all on uh, CDJs. Yeah, that's right. They right. made, they never made, they made them everybody before. download the software. Right. We're like, and you had yeah. to use their CDJs, and everyone was like, uh, uh, "Yeah, okay." They're pretty cool though. Yeah, CDJs are pretty cool. 
I haven't touched it set since. It was nerve wracking. A lot though. of turntables. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, they did do more uh, yearly programming. It seemed in the past. Uh, well, they did there. some shows at Pinhook too, because I remember doing a Charlotte Amit yep. show with that was somehow Moog Festival. Yeah, and Pinhook. they did a crossover show with uh, Art of Cool Art of at one cool. point too. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be uh, cool to see more of that. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting now with Art of Cool being uh, in September. Yeah, I know. That um, seems like there's a lot more opportunity. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in that gap between uh, May when Moogfest is in September, maybe there's, you know, to kind of hype Art of Cool and build on the momentum of Moogfest, you can do some more summertime programming. I think that they should have a – this is, again, this is just me, like my personal wish list was that they had a 24-hour stage or some, like, late-night stage – that wasn't just techno. Mm, or like EDM. Yeah. But it was like, them. like if you're going to have all this like super spaced out, awesome modular synthesis shit, do it all night, man. Let people like go just well, like, well, they did yeah. the streaming at Motorco in December, I guess, or oh, January. Right. That okay. was like 20, oh, right. eight yeah. or 35, right. six hours. Cause or that's something. when they, and I guess they have, first introduced and Matt they have Gandhi. the sleep. Right, the sleep thing at twenty one. Which I, if they do that again next year, I definitely want to try that. That yeah, was one of those yeah, things. Me too. I've always wanted to wanted do that. that. I didn't do, but the rain really killed this year. You too. think so? Can, uh, for me, it I was actually, drenched. Okay, well, there was the one night time. that yeah, I definitely uh, two days I was. got got pretty soaked, but but it actually didn't seem to affect the. The ability for people to get from the show it to killed show my much. my okay. traverse. Well, so Moogfest next year, less rain. If you can do anything about yeah. that, talk to who you got to talk to. Let's just get less rain over I didn't the weekend. Get to sleep. <laughs> um, There's some people working on an app that lets you in-app purchase the weather. That's oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So for Moogfest, getting towards right. the future. That's what we need. Um, yeah. So more more programming than throughout the year. I mean, I, I, I would agree. Really I like think that would be that. cool. Um, I mean that is something that that I think Art of Cool does pretty well is is uh, is book these yeah, acts both in really and rally. They you know they your your um, like their newsletters active all year. Mm-hmm. They've got shows booked all year. You're very much you you feel like Art of Cool as an entity is a year round thing, and Art of Cool Festival is just the culmination right. of that work. Well, I I wonder. I mean, and I don't know, but it's funny because like Art of Cool, it's, it's like. Moog Fest, right? You know, well, and Moog, the title Moog, versus they're Moog, kind of like, but they're not even. They're like, it's not their parent company. That right. would be um, misleading. But yeah, I wonder if like Moog in Asheville is doing the type of year-round programming that we would like to have for Moog Fest here in Durham. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Some more programming throughout the year would be would be pre- pretty rad. And um, I don't think that they do any of that though. But I could be wrong. Well, they did the synth thing. Moog. Oh, no, Moog itself uh, in Asheville. Oh, I, sure. I see them as no just idea. like we're a product company. I think it's, yeah, they're busy with what they have going on. And right. in Asheville, I'm sure there's plenty to do. Yeah. Great music venues up there. Right. Well, it could just be a matter of, of Moog Fest kind of attaching their name in, in similar vein yeah. to years past with stuff that's already happening. I mean, we at Runaway did a couple things with them. Uh outside of the festival, you know, during the year, it seems like Roundhouse is a, um, you know, an opportunistic partner to do programming like that as well, similar to the stuff at Parts and Labor. So, um, so we'll, we'll put that up on the list, uh, for, for next year's fest more, which I guess is not even for next year's festival. This is something that they could be doing at, you know, starting tomorrow. So, um, any, anything other thoughts on kind of where, where you'd like to see the festival go? 
the actual festival. Yeah, the festival itself. It means it's perfect. If you guys are speechless, then I, I guess mean, they just threw a perfect festival. Some programming, you know, I, there's certain things I'd love to see, but. Well, so, um, let me ask you this then. Saying, because you said that you were busy throughout the day uh, managing the roundhouse stage mostly, um, which is maybe unique to other festival goers experience, but it does seem like there may be an opportunity to do more uh, programming outside of music later in the day. Cause I would be up for that as well. If there was something could be nice. know, eight, nine, <laughs> 10 o'clock instead of there going wasn't to music. A, there wasn't music. Yeah. Huh. Um, that was a cool talk or um, like the movies, the movie score show I think would have been cool. I don't, I forget what time that was. And maybe it was later in the night. It was later. Something yeah. more was, like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like eight or, or more stuff like ish. that later in the evening would be cool it for the be folks that either like Where know, was are that? doing stuff during the, the day. Or, yeah, the armor. Okay, because Caitlin Riley Smith was the same time, but it kind of Okay. Yeah. Now that could, that's an interesting idea. It could be nice to get a break, but it would be kind of weird to show up to a talk and be a little inebriated and sure. whatever. Yeah. I mean, I thought right. one of the cool things about the roundhouse stage was that it was like the daytime music in a lot of right. ways, you know? So it was like, cause I do yeah. think you having music going on in the daytime was nice, but totally agree that have, flipping that and having maybe pro, some good forms of programming. Yeah. Right, that weren't music. If people needed a break. I mean, that's how I felt um, at, after the John Hopkins show. I was like, I don't think I can stand to be at another, as much as I want to see the music, I just like physically couldn't stand up straight to enjoy another set because of how intense that one was. And, um, well, yeah. And like, I think you have stuff like the fruit that was doing all right. the floor stuff and the, but, late, oh, and the late night stuff, and, but which I think is awesome that you have that going on. But the problem I think is that with, by only having that venue there right. and it being kind of a little bit out of the way of all the other venues, sure. if you go there and are like, I need a break, you're not. What are you gonna you're do? You're not good right. one. Like you're I guess you could walk home. to Ponysaurus. Yeah. But like in that case, turn Ponysaurus into part of the festival somehow. Right. Well, and same with. Um, I mean, I guess I, you know, I was at Chocolate Rice's set. I forget what night that Thursday. was. Thursday night. Um, you know, that was another opportunity to. That was a little bit more chill than, the what was going on at the fruit. Um, so just, making that you know marketing that maybe better as a festival saying like, if you really want to like turn it up a notch, here's where you need to go. But if you want to still be out during the festival and not, um, but it, you know, be in an environment that's a little less intense, here are the spots you should hit up. Um, one of the things I thought was really cool that, and I kind of don't think Moogfest gets, I don't know if they get enough credit for it or not, but I got Probably an email. That, Cause I know there was a lot of, you know, like festivals need to be more inclusive and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I think Moogfest, that's part inclusive of that's kind of across the board across the board yeah like artists that are playing right. etc and i think Moogfest, you know that's part of their mission statement right or like part of their mission to a certain degree but i i've been to a bunch of workshops and it's you know always 95 percent dudes right like 95 percent dudes that are like want to learn about whatever and i noticed i'd gotten an email at one point that was like for the rest of the festival we're giving priority to like for, for the waitlist spots, mm. we're giving priority to, you know, to people of color and women and to get into these. 
and they even like set up some additional ones that were just like for the for, for other people yeah and i thought that was pretty awesome like, that's cool because in one of the workshops i went to the lady she was amazing but she had planned it for kids okay she was like it was supposed to be and i didn't know this yeah sure. because they did a, a bad job on saying like what it was and and i showed up and it was like all there was like two women in there and then it was all just like you know 20 something to 40 something year old white dudes right and she was kind of just like oh and it, you could tell everyone there was like a bunch of people performing in there and you could tell she it was supposed to be kind of an introductory thing into like the possibilities of what you can do with with data and turning that into generative sound but then all of a sudden she had all these like musicians and like people that had obviously already had a lot of experience with this and she kind of had to change her whole thing up on the fly in the same way, like last year, I taught a class with Krista. I was like helping a friend teach a oh, coding that. class yeah. that was supposed to be for women. And it, and there was like two women in there. And I think that, that those were both just, they. that's a small like a small tweak. They just need to get it right how they right. market those and right. maybe who they let into right. them. Right. Um, well, what do you think the, uh, I mean, I, I don't certainly have these numbers in front of me, but I wonder what the overall demographic breakdown of the festival is. Well, you know, is that representative I mean, of... The, the festival as a whole or is that just all the women that are coming to the festival don't know they should be at this event I mean I think a lot of people aren't interested in workshops period sure I mean people go to festivals to see music right but yeah I don't know I yeah. do know that like of our favorite performances mine was Caitlin Aurelia Smith and yours was Susan Shiani like and um, Adori Takata I mean women are crushing experimental music yeah yeah um, like, yeah period. no so I, I mean I, I definitely would agree that marketing to the audience that you're trying to serve a little bit better whether it's in um yeah whether it's in like the the description of the event on the scheduling app if it's in the pre-festival marketing whatever it might be just making sure that because that seems to be a, a problem not exclusive to Moogfest, oh, but just absolutely. in organizing things in general. I mean, I think Moogfest does it probably way better than most festivals, and still like, but fall like, short stuff yeah. like that. It's like when you're trying to make music production and getting into synthesizers and stuff more accessible to a, a more diverse group of people or people that typically have had a hard time like getting access to to that scene or that kind of music. Like, just be better about what you say things are. Like, you know, like those workshops is, you know, you have to just make it obvious. Like, right. you know, this is to help, you know, people get in. Into yeah. this. There was a, a talk on, um, it was like a, a, a feminism talk at, it was another one of the early morning things at American Underground. And uh, one of the folks on the panel mentioned how uh, she felt like even the lexicon that is used when it comes to DJing and music production can be um, alienating. Sure. And I thought that was is something that I'd never really considered. Um, personally, I, and maybe this is just my ignorance, I don't know that I would give as much um, credence to that versus other things in the scene that are maybe a little bit more um, prevalent and um, you know maybe hold more priority than the words that are used to name the machines and things like that. But, um, but it was just interesting to hear someone dig that deep and, and talk about how even like the way that things are named feels very, 
either like masculine or just or just alienating in general. Um, it's interesting yeah. because Moog's newest synthesizer that they were, or the, the two ones they've released are the grandmother and the mother, mm. which is kind of interesting. interesting and, stuff, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, who wants no, to but I think the three dudes to sit around and talk about feminism? Well, but no, <laughs> but yeah, well, sure. I mean, that's why, yeah, I should probably just, uh, just pass on trying to explain that. It's but, a longer conversation sure. for sure. Yeah. But one um, that, and it was, I was happy to go to that talk. I mean, that was done. something yeah, that great. I specifically put on my list and, and Laura, um, our friend Queen Please yeah. was one of the panelists who I thought was was the best person up on stage. So um, yeah, she's a beast. Yeah, I'm, I was glad that they invited her to do that. Um, that's that's interesting. Well, you got the the grandmother, did you not? I did. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe that does help. Maybe that that, that that's more important than I'm leading people to believe. So, um, but yeah, you're right. Three dudes, probably not the people to be having that conversation. Um, any final thoughts on sort of what your MoFest experience was like, what you want it to be, um, what you might do differently next year than what you did this year? Uh, I do want to see them, uh, you know, figure out locals mm. that uh, could, you know, really kill the festival because it's like. And is that performers? Is performers, that organizers? Uh, performers. Both? Like, yeah. I mean, Roundhouse this year, we did what we have done for like two and a half years. We just did it at Moogfest, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I am familiar with like a lot of genres of music in the area. Are there any artists specifically that you want to highlight that you'd want to see at the festival? I mean, uh, there's, you know, there's all the noise artists out in Chapel Hill at the nightlight like that. I don't get out there too often, but, um, you know, house fire, I think, uh, house fire was during one of the first year, it, within the middle of the year events Moogfest did there's like artists like that uh Tescom Pole who has done some residencies at Arcana um and just like stuff that goes outside of what Roundhouse does mm-hmm. and so like it would be strange for me to book you know even a band like I mean Blanco Baznet they they use synths in their music you know and they're an indie rock band like electronic music as a genre has like seeped it all over the place. Right. And, um, there's locals that would be great to see, you know, on stage at Moogfest. And, um, I hope they do that where it wouldn't be fitting for, you know, what I do with the roundhouse collective to, and you're saying um, festival weekend as opposed to whenever the, the or, yearly well, programming. Yeah. Probably festival weekend, yeah. you know, and, or whenever, you know, if it's, a, if it fits a bill that they're going to, that they might do in the middle of the year, that'd be great too. Um, but there's like, I hope what we did at roundhouse was prove that, you know, in this specific electronic beat type music area, you know, all this came from the triangle and a little further outside. We right. had an artist from Charlotte, but, um, I hope that, you know, they look, to the triangle and North Carolina in general and see like, you know, in all facets of electronic music, there's people absolutely killing it. There's a foundation to build on. I think that, yeah, like you're talking about Moogfest being something that's supposed to challenge your ears. They're like band, like sister brother that is local that played like was probably amongst the most challenging music that you were going to hear at Moogfest. They're great. They're crazy. And it's just insane. And, and that the, the triangle produces music in a variety of genres that can challenge people with, you know, just like artists from New York and artists from LA. Right. 
yeah. we don't have to look outside our own backyard to be able to put together crazy experimental of, music right, for for the types of things that Milkfest are listening to, and that you know I do think comes from um, being a little bit more. And, and granted, I think a lot of the folks that are on the organizing team now have been here. At least some of them have been here a couple of years and have made connections in the scene. But having um, more people, more voices from inside the community um, getting these band names in front of people saying, hey, you need to check these folks out. Or, hey, like we're having a show this weekend. We think that somebody from Oakfest should be here. Well, I think the part of the issue is that the programming for Moogfest isn't tied to the organizational body of Moogfest sure. per se. It's like the Moogfest programming is done predominantly from people not inside the triangle. Right. Or they don't have anyone from the triangle that's really part of that programming group. Right. Which is what, like, so they reach out to people, which is awesome. But, you know, but there's a lot of people that work there right. that are from here, but that aren't, that don't have much say in programming. Right, right. I don't even know how many people work there that are actually from here. Yeah, I mean, we could well, do... I mean, what do you... Like, it's like... Yeah. I mean, the people we know, like, they've lived here a while, though, so sure. maybe not from here, but, you know... For, like, yeah. six months. <laughs> I don't know, like... No, I don't, well, I think getting I think into the nuts and bolts of... Yeah, I'm not sure who works where. Organizing, and, yeah. But it feels like there's a, definitely, like, a, a lack of the talent in the area that, like... I mean, it's, it's incredible, really. We're lucky here. And, um, you know, that goes for skipping out on shows that aren't Moogfest related, like uh, just general show goers. We all need to get less sleepy in the triangle, um, go support music. And uh, that's why we do the show. That's what's up. Yeah. The rundown. Right. Um, sweet. Yeah, next year. Yeah. <laughs> More well, locals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, Not having seen, well, but having seen the roundhouse <laughs> stage, I personally was like, I could have just done this all weekend. And been, I mean, granted, if I had paid, you know, whatever really for the tired, ticket, Justin. that would have been a waste of time. Given that it was a free, sh- it was free shows. But like, if if you guys were like, hey, Roundhouse Fest is going to be this, and it's just going to be a bunch of people playing at Parson Labor for three days in a row, I would pay for that. You know, like that would be a festival I would go to. So it's a no. Um, we, to we your won't point see about, that. <laughs> well, just to your it's point about happening. local supporting local music, it's not. Um, I don't see it as a charity. I, I do think that but these people are on that, par with any other music that yeah, I'm listening to. There's an argument, ar- a flip side of this argument, I think, that I'm not for, but I think that, and there's a balance, but that Moogfest has every right to not That's necessarily true. have local artists. Because, sure. you know, if, maybe right. the people that program don't feel that way. Right. The problem is they don't have access to the local artists right. if you're programming and you're not. Right. And, the, and the they're not their ticket buyers are not exclusively people in the triangle. So Absolutely they're not, they're not right. going to cater completely to this market because there are other markets that they are also drawing from. And so, um, you know, if they're if, if they were really going to try and be inclusive to the demographic of the ticket goers, they'd be pulling artists from. I mean, everywhere, which is what right. they do. I mean, so, you have to be. Yeah, because for them, like booking artists that. I'm sure that if they could book local artists that were going to guarantee them another thousand ticket sales, then of course it's a no brainer. Um, I mean, you, you, you were using the grandmother in, in your set. You might've been one of the only people. All this weekend. is true. So I don't know. You know, there's some pretty uh, heavy, heavy stuff right. going on. there. And you can't just book <laughs> Sylvanesso every year. 
because I feel can't like afford they'll... to book Sylvanasso any year. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're they're definitely down for the community, but also have their own bills to pay. So definitely. Um, well, with that, we'll we'll wrap up. This has gone maybe a little longer than I expected, but but I enjoy this conversation, and and maybe this is the birth of another podcast. Who knows? Maybe we'll uh, we'll have a whole show about the inner workings of. Eyes uh, on Moocast. Eyes, yeah, eyes right. On, yeah, just, eyes on yeah, local music. We'll just be watchdogs for uh, for local festivals here. Uh, Nick, Tommy, We're coming for you. Uh, thanks for being so on the show. <laughs> um, make sure you subscribe to the Rundown. Tell a friend. Um, you know, we want to be as useful an entity as possible when it comes to, like Nick said, getting out into the nightlife, going to more shows, experiencing more things in your local community. So. Definitely uh, don't be selfish. Share this show with a friend. And also check out this week's Super Empty. We talked to uh, Charles Morse, a.k.a. DJ Iron Mike, who's a pretty prominent figure in the Raleigh hip-hop scene. Uh, as a writer for the indie, a photographer, a producer, uh, all kinds of stuff. So definitely check out that episode of Super Empty as well. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Oh, 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 oh,